Voyage. Hey listeners of Fever Dreams, this is Dan Benamore, head of podcast for Voyage Media. What you're about to hear is episode one of The Hitler File. This is our new scripted fiction historical thriller series starring Peter Stormare and Dennis O'Hare. You may remember Peter Stormare as the guy who put Steve Buscemi in a wood chipper in Fargo, as the coolest depiction of Lucifer in cinematic history in Constantine, or as the creepy doctor who took care of Tom Cruise's eyeball in Minority Report, amongst many, many, many other awesome, indelible performances. Peter's one of my favorite actors, and he is the star of this show, and he co-stars with Dennis O'Hare. Dennis O'Hare, you might know as one of the core cast members from American Horror Story, who's also on the TV series True Blood, and he had one of my favorite scenes in the film, Michael Clayton. So these are two world-class character actors, and we have them in this show, which is inspired by some real history, and then takes it and sort of does a fictional plot that runs alongside of real history. So we have Dr. Dramiric, who's played by Peter, and he gets his first client as a psychotherapist, and it's a young corporal, this is post-World War I, named Adolf Hitler. And they develop this relationship that goes all the way to the waning days of World War II. And over the course of their relationship, Dr. Dramiric recognizes what a monstrous force Adolf Hitler is and becomes determined to destroy him using the tools that he has at his disposal, which is his understanding of the mind. So I'm not going to give anything more away than that. I absolutely love this show. The music is so good. The sound design is so good. The acting is so good. I just am absolutely obsessed with it, and uh, I really hope you enjoy it. If you'd like to hear the rest of the show, you can go to hitlerfile.com or just search The Hitler File in any podcast platform. Here's episode one. Any thoughts that medicine had advanced considerably in the last hundred years of warfare quickly vanished as I walked into Belitz Military Hospital outside Berlin. I'm here to work on the Professor Bernheim, one of Germany's preeminent psychiatrists, and he's happy to tell you so. Bernheim struggles to pronounce my name and to be fair, I'm Swedish, Olaf Drummerk. I studied under Professor Sigmund Freud in Vienna. Bernheim knows how to pronounce Freud's name and does so, as one might say, as a curse. Not everyone is a fan of Freud and his emerging psychoanalytical methods, but I specialize in them. Most of the patients in the general ward here have terrible physical wounds. Those in the psychiatric unit are suffering from a newly designated ailment, shell shock. And according to Freud, all these men have severe neuroses leading to organic symptoms. Sound organs refusing function, limbs, tongue, eyes, ears all unresponsive to incoming stimuli. The shocked brain, where it witnessed or experienced incidents so horrific as to be unbearable, would diverge 
by converting these blocked out memories into physical pain or fault in order to render them in a more acceptable form. I sit in my clinical room. There is a knock on the door, and my first patient comes in and hands over his file. Pale, brooding, with a thick brush mustache, he stands at attention while he looks at me. I can feel his eyes boring into me. I read the medical file. Adolf Hitler, Corporal Signal Runner, 16th Bavarian Reserve Regiment, shrapnel wound to left thigh at Somme, 1916, awarded the Iron Cross, a second class, reposted to a front line after discharge, mustard gas victim at Ypres, 1918, temporary blindness. I'm fit to return. That's not yet decided, Corporal. I'm fated to return. How so? Two years ago, the howitzer shell killed all around me. I survived. Why? Well, there could be many reasons. Name one. Luck. And now you're once again an unfortunate victim in a mustard gas attack at the Pré, and you sustained another significant injury. I am not a victim. Well, you did, nevertheless, suffer in the attack, did you not? Does it not state there that I was struck blind? Yeah. Do I seem blind? Apparently, your blindness was temporary. Do you recall Saul of Tarsus? St. Paul. Yes, I, I do. He too was an Aryan, and he was struck blind. Well, I, I see. He went on like this. His military exploits gave him a feeling of being destiny's chosen son. His constant harping on his special status to me screamed of deep insecurity. Before I went to medical school in Vienna, Professor Sigmund Freud had developed his theories and the practice of psychoanalysis. He maintained that people suffer inherent neurosis stemming from traumatic episodes dating from earliest childhood, even from birth, and that these are suppressed deeply within their subconscious mind. We have frequent sessions during Corporal Hitler's stay here at Berlitz. He's combative and clearly feels my presence is an annoyance to be suffered through. Would you care to talk to me about your childhood? Why? Well, were you happy as a child? My childhood has no pertinence. It could. I wish to be discharged now and return to active duty. Were I beaten and sodomized as a child or lovingly handled with supportive care, neither would change the fact that I am a capable soldier and I belong with my men. Well, you're not yet ready for that, Corporal. We have a little way to go before you're deemed fit for further military service. More sessions went on fruitlessly. Finally, in desperation, I tried another tactic. Corporal, Adolf, I've known you've seen death. I have as well. Another of your patients? Perhaps a suicide as they grew tired of your babbling? No, no, when I was six. I had a playmate at school, a girl, her name was Elsa. We were at the same age. 
One wet afternoon, her mother caught the two of us in a woodshed, examining each other. As neither of us had a brother or a sister, it was a unique situation as we discovered the essential difference between boys and girls. What happened? Well, to back up, Elsa did have a brother, but he drowned in a lake when she was just a baby, and her father had died in a shipwreck before she was born. So it was just Elsa who used to stutter, and a mother who is very, very strict. And that afternoon, when she discovered us, her mother was very angry and threatened to get to my grandfather to cut off my penis with his biggest knife. He and my father are both surgeons. After that, I started to stutter, just like Elsa. Rarely. Well, when under stress. My grandmother said Elsa's family had madness. I asked my father what caused it, and he said men caught sickness from women that led to madness. Venereal disease. My mother said, no, no, that's wrong. She said Elsa's mother was that way because of her family's misfortune. But that's not the worst part. What else? Six years later, I was away at boarding school and came home for the summer vacation to some terrible news. At that time, Elsa had started to menstruate, and her mother could not cope. So she stabbed Elsa to death and then hanged herself. Madness. Madness? Yes. Why would you tell me this? Ever since those episodes have prevented me from establishing relationships with girls, and now with women. Your childhood has affected your adult life. Yes. I never told anyone this before. Hmm. Thank you. From then on, our relationship changed. I learned about him both from him and from others in the hospital who knew him. Adolf Hitler was born in Austria in 1889, and his father, Alois, was the illegitimate son of Maria Schickelgruber. And when Maria became the third wife of Johann Heidler, he adopted the five-year-old boy. But it wasn't until he was 40 that Alois Schickelgruber legally changed his surname to Heidler. And it was rumored that Alois' father had been the son of a Jewish family for whom his mother Maria had worked as a housekeeper. After spending a career as a custom officer, by 1896, Alois retired to a small farm in Haffel, Austria where he kept livestock and bees while his wife, Hitler's mother, Clara, tended her vegetable garden. This garden would be the source of Hitler's first significant confession to me. I was seven and my mother was alone in her vegetable garden when she discovered that my father's ducks had ripped up her garden pea plants and she threatened to wring their necks in her distress. She did not know I had overheard her as I was coming from the house and going off to the village. And you, you did something about this? 
In the village, I was accosted by some bigger boys who bullied me and insulted my father and my mother. I ran back home in a rage and killed all my father's ducks. And how did your parents react? I did it to please my mother. But my father didn't see it that way, and I received a severe beating. Now, how did you feel about that? Betrayed. Better I got used to it then. Corporal Hitler remained under my care at the village for the next few weeks. We had established our patient therapist bond, but he remained frustrated at his medical incarceration. He was still there when Kaiser Wilhelm abdicated and Germany surrendered and the armistice was signed in November 1918. Amidst the general celebration and relief being expressed by all the other patients and staff, Corporal Hitler remained aloof, becoming more and more angered and hysterical. And after the war, he returned to Munich, but remained in the army and was appointed as an intelligence agent to infiltrate the German Workers' Party. There, his nationalist views and oratorical skills led him to becoming a member of the party. And by 1924, he was the leader of the National Socialist German Workers' Party, known as the Nazi Party. Though I lost track of him as a patient, his name appeared often in the newspapers as his political activities advanced and I maintained a close interest in him. Then I happened to be spending a night in Munich on my way to Vienna to visit my old mentor. Passing around a beer hall, I heard this unmistakable voice. A meeting was being addressed by my one-time patient, and I decided to go in. Germany did not lose the war. Our army has never lost a battle. I personally can vouch for that. We were betrayed, stabbed in the back by bankers and industrialists in Berlin. I do not recall seeing you here before. Are you a party member? Well? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm just passing through Munich on my way to Vienna. I, I've known Adolf for some years, and I, I just wanted to come and see him again, in action, so to speak. Would he remember you? I'm sure he will, though he hasn't seen me since he was in Berlin. In that case, I can arrange it. After the meeting, stay here. You must consider joining the party, you know. We need men like you. I'm sure you understand. What a brute. Just basic security, you understand. Zeig Heil, mein Führer. Who is this? He says you and he are old friends from Berlin. Ah, I see it now. The good doctor. My mind is too preoccupied. Calm, Dromnik. How are you? Sit down. Oh, I'm well, thank you. I'm sure you are very busy these days. 
Indeed I am. Here. I want you to take that and study it. My book. Oh, mein Kampf. My struggle. <laughs> but he's not a victim. I wrote it while I was in prison. Can you believe it? They put me in prison for disturbing the peace. They called it treason. I told them I was standing up for German workers' rights, and they let me out once they realized how mistaken they were. We heard about it in Berlin. In Berlin, yes. So, what brings you to Munich? Apart from seeing me, of course. I'm on my way to Vienna to visit my old mentor, Professor Freud. The glow went out in his eyes. Sigmund Freud? A charlatan. Some people think so, but I'm not one of them. <laughs> you shouldn't associate with someone like him. There are better German experts on the mind. You're German. Why not learn from them? I'm Swedish, and I came to this country by way of Professor Bernheim's invitation and to work under him. No, no, Herr Dr. Dromirk, you are mistaken. You came to this country because it was your destiny to recognize Germany as the greatest, the strongest of all nations. You came from Sweden, but your father was German. I know this. Only a German father could have endowed you with the distinct features, blue eyes, blonde hair, strong physique, that are destiny's emblem. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but my father is also Swedish. He grinned, but it was a grin that left a cold pit of dread in my stomach. Thank you for the visit, doctor. Remember what I told you. A man like you should join the party. It will stand you in good stead. Mind how you go. Nowadays, Munich can be a rough city, especially at night. In my dealings with Hitler, I found him to always have a simmering fanatism, mostly about himself lurking beneath the surface. Slight, though he was in some ways, I felt the man shouting at an audience was his true form, whilst the man who smiled at me was another mask. A person like him having found devoted followers, well, I didn't know what to make of it. The following day, I traveled to Vienna and visited my old professor. He gave me a concert ticket that he was unable to use. I didn't realize how much that gift was to change my life. As I told Hitler, which I remember with a feeling of violation since boyhood, I had a trouble relating to girls and perhaps even more so to women as I grew older.
bought a corsage from the flower seller outside the concert hall and I took it to the violinist who had thrilled me as she departed with her violin case. Uh, Ms. Manliefen? Yes? Would you please accept this small token for the joy you have given me this evening? How kind. Thank you. Ah, won't you pin it for me? Just here. Uh, I'm not sure I can do that. Oh, please do. It's very easy, but I'm hindered gathering this. Oh, all right. Like, like this? Perfect. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. Oh, what a waste to go back to the hotel now and just take it off. Would you like to go for a cup of coffee? I prefer chocolate at night. I, I know just the place. Café Freudenhuber. I know Vienna well from a student's viewpoint. I was here as a medical student. You're a doctor? Yes, yes. Uh, well, I'm sorry. I should have introduced myself. I'm Olaf Drummerk. Hmm. You can call me Tilly. Beethoven and Mozart both played at this café... So you'll be among good spirits. You said you were here as a student. Does that mean you are not here now? I live and work in Berlin. I'm here visiting my old tutor and professor. When did you stop being a student here? Uh, in 1916. Nine years. That means you must be... Yeah, 32. Much too old for me. I can't tell if you're joking or not. Are you married? No, I seem to be too busy to get into relationships, other than analyzing my patients. Do you always go to concerts alone? Well, I suppose so, yes. Mm. Music should be enjoyed in the company. Well, I'm usually surrounded by an appreciative audience of strangers. Come, see me again. I'm not a stranger anymore. We started writing letters to each other. Dear Olaf, thank you for your last letter. So full of news and Berlin memories. My good news is I applied to join the Berlin Philharmonic Orchestra and have been accepted. So I shall be back with my parents in Berlin and that means we shall be able to see each other again. As happy as I was that Tilly was coming to Berlin, I felt equally as concerned about the state of the country. Having read Mein Kampf, the book he had given me in Munich, I realized what Hitler was espousing. Then, in 1933, the political ambitious corporal became chancellor and returned to Berlin. The following year, 1934, his stormtroopers purged the Nazi party during the Night of the Long Knives, murdering all opposing elements in the party. And following President Hindenburg's death in August, Hitler declared himself Führer, Germany's supreme leader. And one day later the same year, I was summoned to Bernheim's office. He explained that having been called in by Hitler's personal physician, Dr. Morell, the previous year, he had been treating the Fuhrer recurring bouts of depression with 
heavy medication. And he went on to say that Hitler had demanded he send young Drummerk to see him. So he remembered me. And to my horror, he trusted me. Bernheim furnished me with a strong injectable medication of which he assured me Hitler was in need of. In Bernheim's opinion, Hitler had progressed from a neurotic state to that of a psychotic and was far beyond the reach of my psychotherapy methods. You're not my doctor. I was told you requested me specifically. Whoever told you that was mistaken. You shouldn't be here. Adolf, I am here. We may as well talk, right? You should address me as your Führer. Why did you ask me for a meeting today? I told you. Is there a reason someone might have thought you required my assistance? It must have been explained to you. It was, and I want to hear you say it. You want? It'll help me as your doctor to hear the reason why in your own words. There are times I wish to die. I look at my gun and imagine firing it into my brain. No one would ever believe a suicide. It would be presumed my enemies had assassinated me. The people would rise up, carry on my work in my name. Have you picked up the gun when you think these thoughts? No. Well, then they're just thoughts. I hold this entire nation, its future within me. The burden and the liars and the traitors surrounding me. Which liars and traitors? Everyone! I read them, and they sprout again. Well, how do you know they are liars and traitors? I can sense it. So how do you know that I'm not a liar or a traitor? You're Swedish. You admit it. Only by your own definition. But deep down, you are of good German Aryan stock. Be not mistaken. As the Jews are mistaken in claiming that Christ was Jewish. He was born of a Teutonic warrior serving in that area of the world. I know this. I tell you this as your supreme leader, the Fuhrer. You shall study your Führer's mind and learn. On this I do insist. Years ago, you were the recipient of some of my innermost thoughts and experiences. You were analyzing me and you shall do so again. For now, give me Bernheim's injection and leave. Heil Hitler! Good day, Herr Doctor. So, you have just come from attending the Führer. Officer Kronz, we meet again. Obersten Führer Kronz, you are in a privileged association with our Führer, Herr Doctor. That makes you a most honorable citizen. By becoming a member of our party, you will be doing considerable service. Won't you join us while you still have the chance? Some days later, Bernheim informed me that I had made quite an impression on the Fuhrer and that he insisted on seeing me for some further therapy session. Bernheim added that in his opinion that would be a total waste of time, but the Fuhrer was insistent. I had no wish to interfere with this treatment program, but the professor replied it's not wise to confront this man with a refusal. 
and besides, that he had no one else to recommend. If you leave your bishop there, Olaf, my dear, I'll have you checkmate in two moves. Oh, what, what? Oh, yeah, 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 I'm sorry. <laughs> Let me move it here. That's better. You seem distracted tonight, my darling. Is everything all right? Yes, yes, it's just that I've been assigned a patient that I rather not have to deal with again. <laughs> hmm. Someone I would know? Right now, I really can't say. As I entered the huge office of the Fuhrer, I was even more reluctant to continue my psychoanalysis of the monster Hitler had become since the days of the lowly corporal I've seen at the Berlitz Hospital back in 1918, some 16 years ago. I appreciate your asking me for further therapy session, mind Fuhrer, but I don't believe we can go any further now. Why not? My skills... My skill is beneath you. I don't deserve this honor. We started at the Belitz, yes? And we shall now go forward together. Have you come to believe in fate, Doctor? Perhaps I have. I think you should. Do you truly want help? You tell me the truth. No one else around me does. As long as I live and breathe, we shall be yoked together. You now have a therapy practice of a single client, Dr. Lomirk. The Hitler File is a production of Voyage Media. The series is produced by Nat Mundell, Robert Midas, and Dan Benamore. Directed and produced by Dan Benamore. Written by Desmond Fosbury based on the novel, The Dramatic File, by Brandon Rolfe. Starring Peter Stormare as Dr. Dramatic, and Dennis O'Hare as Adolf Hitler. Additional cast credits available in the show notes. Edited, sound designed, and mixed by Nick Masidi. Original music by Darlis Gonzalez. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts or anywhere you're listening, and subscribe now for future episodes. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Hello, and thanks for calling the arena. If you know your party's extension, you can dial it at any time. If your psychiatrist has gone missing, press 3. Press 3. That sounds ill-advised. Life is about choices, man. You and I both suffer from a very rare form of mental illness, right? Yep. Yep, that's us. I'm just saying, we're probably not the best private investigators, since we don't know what's real. The waitress at the Chinese restaurant, she told me that I needed to complete three trials to find Sadler. Okay, but how long have you been out of your meds? Three trials. The arena, the old factory, the inventor's basement. The inventor's basement. Exactly. Mama, I met someone today. 
You're not gonna believe this. Half spider, half human. You all have this disorder. We call it the imperfection. Okay, so we just got off the train at a stop called East River between East Broadway and York Street, which I'm pretty sure doesn't exist. We are not a cop show, Charlie. Uh, I know that, but we're friends, and I need my friends. How sure are you that these things are actually happening in real life? It seems like reality can be a little slippery. Charlie! Charlie! They're on my face! Amber, Amber, stop, 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 stop it, stop these it. These fucking spiders, they are everywhere. Ah! The Imperfection, an audio drama in nine parts, produced by Wolf at the Door Studios. Out now. For more information, please visit WLFDR.com.